1988, uh, I think February 1988, January 1988, I hadn't been a Christian for quite two years. Um, but I wanted to serve Jesus on the front line. And, uh, and so I ended up in a drug rehab in King's Cross, Sydney. It was my first foray into some sort of formal trying to serve Jesus kind of thing. And, uh, and it was a crazy world for a kid who'd grown up in Toowoomba all his life. My first foray was, you know, one of the most infamous red light and drug districts of the world. And that's where I spent the next um, 11 months uh, living in King's Cross, uh, literally living in the drug rehab. And uh, it was an eye-opening experience. As well as that, I had to work my way through. I was studying college, had to work my way through, so I had to get a job at, uh, at a place. I ended up working for Food Plus, a service station, uh, supermarket, and uh, it was located in Redfern, which in 1988 was a lot different to what it is now, I can tell you. And we had uh, 10 armed hold-ups in the nine months that I was simply the weekend manager there. And uh, for everything from knives to shotguns. Without the barrels sawn off. Well, you should see that on a security video when you're watching it with the police. It's quite amazing when someone walks into a shop with a gun that long. It's scary. It's scary stuff. And... Uh, it was a totally different world for me. But I, I was there, I just wanted to serve Jesus. But the fact is, I got so busy that the first thing that sort of dried up in my life was my devotional life. It was like I had time for everything else, had time to earn money, had time, how ironic is this, to serve Jesus. But I just didn't seem to make time to be with Jesus. And that... 11 months of pressure cooker environment um, plus no or little devotional life equaled for me two years of burnout when burnout wasn't even a word. I thought I was backslidden. I don't know whether I had a, I don't know whether I had a nervous breakdown. I, I don't know what it was. It postponed our wedding twice and then eventually led to a broken engagement between Sue and I. It was an incredibly painful <laughs> two years. I mean, it had been an incredibly painful year all the way through, but the two years after it were far worse. And um, I guess I tell you that story. There can be a bit of pain in serving God. There can be. And I'm just interested in our society at the moment. The church is kind of under the media spotlight. If any of you are on social media, I mean, we always are, but more so when high-profile leaders crash and burn, the spotlight comes on the church and all kinds of things start to sort of pop up in the media and uh, there's documentaries, there's this, there's that, there's the other thing. And, and the fact is, some of it, is justified. Some of it's true. Sometimes people behave badly. People who really shouldn't. Christian ministers really shouldn't. But, but I'm not sure that the big problem is, or what the biggest problem is, whether, whether they showed their flawed humanity or whether we somehow got in a bubble and thought they didn't have any. 
I mean, things need to be assessed, inspected, accountabilities need to happen, all of that. Abuses need to be uncovered and dealt with. They do. They do. Um, but I think sometimes we just think we're living in... Have you noticed we, we think we're living in this world that we're making more perfect, but the more tolerant it gets, for example, the more intolerant it becomes? Has anyone else noticed that? And I can't help but think, you know, that we have an, a society that really has moved towards entitlement as one of its key goals and then questions where bullying and domestic violence and anxiety and all that stuff comes from. On the one hand, encouraging people to seek entitlement and to think of self, and on the other hand, complaining when we reap the results of that. And it's so contrary to the spirit of Christ. It, it is so different even as a young man, I mean, I was, I, I was 20, I had my 24th birthday in the cross. Became a Christian at, at 20, 21. And I didn't know what was happening to me. I, I really feel for people with, with mental issues because this helped me understand because it wasn't until I came out from under it that I realised I was even in something. It wasn't until I got free out the other side that I looked back and thought something was going on there. While I was in the middle of it, it was just reality. As I really feel for you, if you, you know, if you start to struggle with some of those mental things, I feel for you because you have no idea what's going on. You're just in the middle of it. And, uh, and yet, you know, ultimately, as a young believer, I'd been told to hang on to the scripture Hang on to my Bible and believe it. And if I look back, that's all I did. It's all I had. Verses like Romans 8.28. For we know that in all things God works together for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. It's like, God, you know, I don't have a clue what's going on. How did my life get here? I just wanted to serve Jesus. That's all I wanted. And now I'm in a mess. But somehow, I'm trusting you that even though I don't understand, you're going to be at work. Your word says you're going to be at work in my circumstances. Somehow, it will turn around at some point. Please. Proverbs 3, 4 and 5. Probably some of the earliest verses I ever memorized. Come on, you know it. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't trust your own understanding in this. Acknowledge the Lord in all of your ways and he will make your paths straight. For me, it was straight again. They had been straight. It all got messed up. I had no idea what was going down, what was happening to me or in me. All I could do was hang on in faith. Somehow believing that, that God would work it out over time. I, and over time I came out from under that. And I didn't come out bitter. Over time I came out from that. We ended up, thank, thank, thank you darling for saying yes the second time. 
we ended up married and have built a life and God has brought us back into, I think, everything that he always intended for us. So what I want to talk to us about today, we've been in a series, you know, this whole year is Reimagine. And I've done a little series, Reimagine Our Foundations. What's foundational about being a Christian, being a believer? And I want to return to that today. You know, last week we looked at, and thank you for all the great feedback, by the way. Lots of people said, you know, last week's message was really helpful. This week I want to do like part two. Being a disciple of Jesus, part two. And what I want to look at today, last week we, we looked at really how to stay open. What, we looked at the definition of a disciple. Staying open and hungry and willing and that facilitates our growth. Today I want to look at the spirit of a disciple. The spirit. You want to be a follower of Jesus? What sort of spirit should you have? Because you know what? Our spirit, our, our, I could put it this way, it's deeper than this, but often you could look at it this way. Out of our spirit comes our worldview, just the way we see things. You notice that we all see things, but we often see things differently. And that is our spirit. That is the lens that we view the world. And I just want to touch on one thought that Jesus gives us that I think, I think it reveals his spirit as opposed to an entitled sort of victim spirit that our world wants us to embrace. Because the more you embrace that, the less opportunities you will ever have in life, I guarantee you. In John 12, 26, Jesus says this to his disciples. If any man would serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, my servant will be also, and him, my father, will honour. Just, and I just want to take a couple of observations, a couple of thoughts, just on the spirit of a disciple. Not just what does a, what does a Christian do. I, again, I, I just need to reiterate that I do think there can be a big difference between a Christian and a disciple. You know, you can identify with Christ but not necessarily be open to learn. That's where Christian unhitches their cart to disciple. Because disciples are learner. Remember that. So what spirit do we hold our view of the world with? What lens are we looking through? And I think Jesus gives his original disciples a little bit of a key here when he says this to them in John. Here's some observations. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. The the funny thing is, serving is a given in that passage. What's optional is following. (laughs) Jesus said, you want to serve me? Make sure you're following. Because it's very easy to do stuff for God. (laughs) And actually, you haven't got your wagon hitched to God. That's why I told you my story about Sydney. It's a sad story, but it it did teach me something. It is possible to do all the God stuff, do all the church stuff and actually not be connected to God himself. And Jesus is saying this to people that he's literally walking around with. 
They weren't distant. He's not teaching the crowd. He's speaking to his inner circle. And I think that that relates to all of us as the church, his body. The question really is, are you following? Because one without the other is a disaster. For example, churches are a little bit under the spotlight, and I'm really sorry if you're ignorant of this stuff. I'm probably highly aware of it, because it probably is my world. Uh, and, and the more I engage unbelieving folk that don't necessarily go to church, it's their world too. Our world's making sure that they're getting that media. So stuff like volunteer abuse. Anyone heard anything about that? Can I say right up front, it does happen. In some of the ways it's happened, it's probably happened under my ministry at some point. Certainly some people would think so. And abuse should never be put up with, put away, slid under the carpet, minimalised or any of that. It needs to be addressed. Can I just say that before I say what I'm going to say? Cool? Um, Abuses should be exposed, but things not working out the way we'd foreseen is not necessarily abuse. Which is a lot of what I actually see. Can I, could, could you just trust me for a moment? A lot of some, if you're listening to a lot of social media, ex-pastors, people that are having a go at place, big churches, I, I will remain nameless, but I think if you're in the know, you'll know who I'm talking about. It's interesting to know the backstory because we do, because we've journeyed with that church particularly for maybe 30 years. We know some of the backstories. The thing that amazes me is when someone does a documentary, their backstory doesn't come out. their backstory. And we've got to be so careful. If you want to lose your spirit, if you want your spirit to get ugly, be careful not to appoint yourself to things. You know, if God appoints you to something, as a, a, you know, we came through that, our circumstances, I think God had called us. We came through hell, literally. Because I think if God's appointed you to something, no man can take it off you. But sometimes we, we t- are tempted to appoint ourselves to things and God doesn't get the memo. Because we've appointed ourselves to something. And then when it doesn't happen, we've got a choice. It's not a bad thing that that happens. That's how we grow up. But we do have a choice to grow up or not at that point. We either realise, you know what? Hey, God works all things together for good. And I'm trusting him that he will, even though I can't see it right now. Or we get bitter and we get vengeful and we want to take others down with us. And that happens on a family level. That happens on a marriage level. That definitely happens on a church level. That happens in sporting clubs. That happens all over the planet. Why? Because it's human. But Jesus calls us to a different place. If you want to serve and give your life, whatever that opportunity might look like, make sure you stay connected to me because you might just go through hell. (laughs) And if you're not connected to me, you might not come out the other side. I think it was Winston Churchill said, wasn't it? If you're going through hell, don't stop. And, And I must admit, when I think about it and I think about my own journey And I do not want to minimise anyone's pain. The fact is, you know, I've had 
people. I, I praise God for so many ex-staff members that attend New Hope. And just because they don't attend New Hope doesn't mean they left badly either, but it hasn't always been a joyous ride. And some of our volunteers, some of our interns, it was not a joyous ride for them. But one thing I sort of note is that maybe everyone who ends up there... Are you guys okay? I want to talk about our spirit here. Everyone who ends up going, I got hurt, once upon a time was saying, thank you for the opportunity. So when one is just saying, I'll open the door and you can have a crack at that, it's like, you're my hero. If it doesn't work out, you're the devil. And I think often the difference is whether we stay connected. Whether we can even admit to ourselves that actually I was so excited about the opportunity that I lost sight of Jesus. I was serving without following. If any man would serve me. Can I just say that to all of us? So many of us volunteers here. I think there's over 200 in the church. Honestly, number one, God cares more about you than what you do. Psalm 100, serve the Lord with gladness, enter his courts with praise. If you lose your song and you're not happy, take a break. Spend some time with Jesus. Get your heart back, get your spirit back. Because this isn't just about doing, we're not human doings, we're human beings. And this isn't just about getting stuff done for God. This is about staying connected to Jesus. I thought that's what it was all about. And then as we serve, volunteer, whatever role that might be, all we're trying to do is hold the door open for others so that they can experience his goodness too. If any man would serve me, let him follow me. And then he says, where I am, there my disciple will be also. You know, we've got a society that loves to talk about rights. You notice that? I had a right to that. And we aren't so good at talking about responsibilities. We don't like that part of the equation, that with rights should come responsibilities. We want it to be very, very one-sided our way, if we're honest. And hey, we're not bad people. That's just humans. (laughs) Okay? But actually what Jesus is saying is... It's your responsibility to stay on the page with me. You know, one of the one of the one video I watched was of an ex-pastor. This is where I decided to write this message. I saw an ex-pastor, God forgive him, having a whinge, doing a documentary. And he said these words, and I was watching it because I'm like, I want to be informed and I don't want to be closed and I do know that people get hurt. They get hurt in church and they get hurt in football clubs and they get hurt in parent and teacher associations. (laughs) It's like a human thing, not just a church thing. But when he said, the church took my faith, (laughs) I'm like, how? Did you have it in your back pocket? It made it sound like it had been pickpocketed. 
by someone who should have known better, someone I respected, admired and loved many years ago. As a matter of fact, I was standing in a church in Toowoomba where one of the songs he'd written was being sung and it was my call to Australia. Before that, I'd always thought that I'd be going overseas and one night, in one moment, God spoke to my heart when I heard the words and it called me to this nation. And I'm like... What is the church? Like, are you talking about a collective of individuals that are unique, that are diverse, that are all at different points on a journey trying to do life and we're all stumbling over one another? Is that what took your faith? No, no, that's what's meant to reveal whether you have faith. (laughs) Oh, I had to forgive someone, but I got it done. I probably, there would be people right here including me, definitely, who would say, there are people in my life I could never have forgiven if it wasn't for Jesus. And some of them are in church. (laughs) And it's like, come on, it's your responsibility to stay on the page. Not to be taken out. It's not the church's fault. It's not your pastor's fault. If there's abuses and stuff, good, throw them in jail. But we are still responsible to stay on the page with Jesus. No one can take your faith. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ, not even demons. Because some people claim that too. It's such a spiritual thing. It's like, no, you surrendered. Sorry. I know the pain was great, but if you're ever going to get to a happy place, you're going to have to admit you capitulated. Because I just believe Jesus is bigger than that. I believe that he's working all things together for good. I believe that I'm not leaning on my own understanding or my own fears or my own pains. And you're actually going to make my path straight. And I might not be able to say it yet or see it yet. But if I just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just... Thank you, Dory. She should have written a book in the Bible. For those of us who are old enough to have watched Finding Nemo. I'm just going to keep swimming until my path straightens out again. And I'm not going to blame you for it, Lord, and I'm not going to blame some numbskull minister who probably did do the wrong thing. I don't know. I'm not going to blame my brothers and sisters who are just as broken as me. It's just that I judge people who sin differently to me more harshly. You sin the same as me, I've got a lot of grace for you. You sin differently to me, I don't understand you. It's okay, we're all like it, it's called humanity. It's okay, but hey, if we're ever going to get through with the spirit of a disciple, we take responsibility for stuff. That responsibility might be to say, I'm going to report an abuse. Please, please, I hope you've got it. I'm not trying to minimalise bad things happen. I'm not trying to do that. What I'm saying is we have to take responsibility to stay on the page with Jesus, to keep our own spirit and not to sort of find a convenient excuse or a scapegoat for where we're at. Because when I look at it, you know, when I think of Romans 8.28, at the end of the day, I didn't go looking for someone to nail for what happened to me in 1988. It has never been on my mind. It's never been a thought I've had. 
and I see some of the leaders of that organisation, you know, fairly regularly, and I love them. I've never blamed them for maybe a lack of pastoral care, pulling me aside saying, Chris, you burn the candle at both ends. That would have helped. I'd been a Christian two years. I was pretty new to this ministry stuff. And I'm dodging full stubbies of beer getting thrown by Bandito's bikies across the street at King's Cross. So it would have been helpful, but do I blame them? No. Why? Because they were paddling their own canoe. One of the few organisations based in the cross trying to help people who were struggling in the cross. They're heroes. Did they get everything right? (laughs) Probably not. Are we getting everything right? (laughs) Probably not. Are we intentionally trying to hurt people? No! And I just think that if we... If we follow, not just serve, and if we take responsibility to keep our spirit right, then even when difficult circumstances hit us, the spirit of a disciple will carry you through. Even when you don't have the answers, your spirit can carry you through. And lastly, of course, uh, and, and look, I'd love to talk more about that. I'm probably nearly out of time. Maybe I can talk just for a moment. Staying on the same page as Jesus, here's how you do it. Here's a massive secret. Please don't let this get out. Don't tell anyone else. Don't tell anyone else about this. This is just, this is for, for us right here. If you've taken the time to be with us online or in the room, this is for us. Bible journaling is a key. Sit down with your scripture and let God talk to you. And if it's important enough for God to speak to you, it's important enough to write down. That's it. That's Bible journaling. Second one. Pray. Stop, stop being anxious. That's what Paul says. In other words, stop ruminating. Stop thinking about what's not going right. Stop meditating on your fears. Turn it into prayer. Turn your thinking. Even turn your fears into prayer. Talk about give death the death blow. My greatest fear I can turn into a moment of faith. And then simply keep your heart free. Just keep your heart free. Those three things will keep you connected to Jesus. Let the Bible shine a little bit of light on your life and on your journey. Turn your anxieties and things that concern you, turn it into prayer. And just keep your heart free of anything that's going to destroy it. Stop occasionally and think about what's going on in here. And if there's anything in here that's toxic, you're offended with someone or you're lusting after someone or you're tempted to steal or whatever your flavour of the month sin happens to be, stop and think about it and bring it to God for forgiveness and get a fresh start. The tender mercies of God are new every morning. Stay connected to Jesus. And lastly... This verse has always, this passage has always <laughs> blown me away when Jesus says. Jesus says to these inner circle disciples, one will betray him, another ten will be executed for him. The one who survives only gets boiled in oil and exiled to Patmos. This is the group he's speaking to. When he says, 
Him, my Father will honour. It's almost like Jesus was saying, if you're looking for an earthly affirmation, even though you're going to lay your lives down for me, if you're looking for it to happen here, you're looking in the wrong place. It should happen here. Of course it should. We should affirm people, love people, people on our teams, people that we lead. We should be loving, affirming, encouraging, all of that. But here's what I found over time. And I think I can now finally say this and say I'm an experienced pastor 30 years later. I found that it doesn't matter how much I affirm, how much I encourage, how much I honour, even how much I can pay. If someone hasn't got their primary affirmation from the Father, the wheels are still going to come off. At Jesus' baptism, Scripture records that a voice spoke from heaven. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What's significant about that is that Jesus had not worked a mighty work until after he got the Father's affirmation. And when we set out to somehow earn affirmation generally from the people around us, before we're operating simply out of the Father's affirmation, I'm not doing this because I feel I need to. I'm not doing it because I've been guilted into it. I'm doing it because I know my Father in heaven loves me and I want people to know that. If you set out on any other motive, it will be revealed and I guarantee disappointment will be the result. And then you will have a choice. <laughs> Is this one of those Roman 8.28 moments where, wow, I just went through the mill and I guess I take responsibility for some of my motives that got me here, but I'm believing God's going to work it out. Or do I get bitter? And sometimes, and I see this with pastors, I've got to say, this is how I know where the motive was. Some people even try and pull down the very thing that they were once so passionate about. Now, just talking about pastors, I can only talk on to, to that Whenever I see a pastor try and pull the church down, I go, it was never about the church for you, was it? It was never about the church. This was always about your platform. It was never about you because Christ died for the church. And yet you can't even lay your pride down and do the same. Yeah, okay. I'm, I guess today... As I prepared this message, and I've had it prepared for three weeks. As I prepared this message, I wanted to be like a bit of a daddy talk to the church because I know, it might not be all of us, but just raise a hand if you've heard or seen stuff in the media just recently about the church, the churches, pastors, leaders, falls from grace, a great, a great deal of us. And if it's not us, then we've got people in our world that have. And I know that that affects us. That can really erode your faith. And so I want to encourage us. You know, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. There's nothing we can't actually overcome. And if you're going to do that and you're going to serve him, make sure you follow him. 
Make sure you take responsibility (laughs) to stay connected, stay on the same page. And don't confuse where your affirmation primarily should come from. So if the pastor pats you on the head or a team leader says, hey, great job, thanks, and encourages you, that is supplementary. What is primary? Is that I actually don't need that. That's icing on the cake. But hey, I've already heard from my Father in heaven. I'm not doing this to, <laughs> I'm not doing this to excite you as much as I love you as my leader. And I hope every lead, I hope there's no one serving here that's doing it for Pastor Chris. You will be disappointed. I am a disappointing individual at times. I try not to be, but I'm, my humanity shows far too often. I hope you're not doing it for that. I hope you're getting your primary affirmation from, from the Father who can speak from heaven into our heart and say, you're my child. You're my son, you're my daughter. I'm well pleased in you before you do a thing. Jesus hadn't done a thing. I'm well pleased in you. Got some questions for us to apply the message. I had other scriptures, all kinds of things. I think we're there. I think you understand where I'm coming from, don't you? Do I serve Jesus or just claim to follow him? Do I serve Jesus or just claim to follow him? Because remember, serving was a giving, given. It was a given. The issue was following. But hey, if you're saying you're following, make sure you're serving. Because Jesus saw that. He came to serve, give his life as a ransom for many. That's the spirit of Christ. If we talk about the spirit of a disciple, you can't go past giving your life away for someone second thought is am I staying connected to Jesus or just serving serving's noble especially ministry church ministry stuff serving serving is noble but not being connected is a disaster does that make sense some of you are nodding knowingly like you've either been there or you've seen others be right in that spot. Am I motivated to follow and serve by my connection to the Father or to be accepted by people? As I said before, if, if it's out of a need to be affirmed by people, offence is stalking you. It's stalking you. If that's the motive, it's only a matter of time before it catches up. And maybe here today, and I've probably made a great assumption, I've talked to the heart of the church, but maybe actually following Jesus is your next step. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe you've, you've listened to this and, I, you know, in one sense it's been very, very in-house today. But, you know, we always have people that are on a journey with us in our life groups on the edges of the church and whatnot, whether you're in the room or online with us. You know, maybe your next step is to just actually settle the issue. You know, it's time I just started following. For me, you know, God, through the darkest and most difficult of circumstances that was so confusing, when I was only trying to do my best for him, God led me through it, out the other side, I think with a pretty good spirit. I survived, did well. Went on for another 
you know, whatever, it, whatever it's been now, 28 years of, of formal ministry. And it's when we hitch our wagon to Jesus that resilience and faith, the ability to push through, the ability to deal with stuff on the inside, it all comes from hitching our wagon to Jesus, I'm absolutely convinced, and keeping our wagon hitched to Jesus. So maybe here, you know, if that's your next step, we're going to stand and we're going to pray together. And right now, why don't we just all stand together? And uh, we're just going to pray. And uh, I'm just going to pray for, for everyone here who, you, you know, you consider, I follow Jesus. I want to pray for us. And then I want to give an opportunity if, if you haven't actually really cross the line of faith. I want to give you an opportunity to to choose that, to choose Jesus this morning. So why don't we just reach out to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you provide for us. You provide for the birds of the air. How much more us? Just help us stay connected, Lord. Help us stay connected through all the ups and downs, all all the disappointments and difficulties and the twists and turns in the road that really threaten to throw us off, our prayer is that help us to stay connected to Jesus through it all, trusting that you're at work and everything, even when things are bad. It's not that you cause it, but you can use it to cause us to land where we need to be. And we trust you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen.